When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Third in the Premier League. Six points out of six in the Champions League so far. With a London derby to come in the League Cup. We discuss the season so far, along with taking a brief look back at our boys on international duty, as we have the last word on Spurs. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. And still Ricky Villa! What a fantastic run! He scored! Welcome back to the last word on Spurs. You can, of course, follow us across a range of different social media platforms. We are on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. You can also find us on Facebook and also not forgetting Instagram too. Guys, you should also now be able to hear the show over a variety of different platforms, including Audio Boom, iTunes and Acast. On tonight's show, we'll be discussing Tottenham Hotspurs players on international duty. We'll be taking your questions for our panel, as always. And also, we'll be touching upon the season so far. I'm delighted to say, joining us tonight, we have Mr Jason McGovern back on the show. Jason, how are you? Not too good today, mate. My my Thai team got dumped out of the cup quarterfinals by the bitter enemies today, so I'm not in the best of spirits. Oh, God. We'll try and shoot up Jason this next hour. I, I can't promise we'll try. And joining Jason tonight, delighted to have him on the show, making his debut. We've got a Spurs blogger, Charles Richards, joins us. Charles, how are you? I'm good. Better than Jason. And international break's almost over, so thank God for that. Yeah, thank God for that. It feels like it's dragged on, doesn't it, Charles? They go, on, they go on for a long time, don't they? My words. They do indeed. Well, there's a lot to cover off in this next hour or so, bearing in mind we haven't played for a while. Um, I think the news to, we've got to start with tonight, which will be tomorrow morning your time, guys, is that there's been the uh, reintroduction coming over to you, Jace, of Danny Rose and Eric Lamella back with Spurs on the training ground. Now, from what we understand, they're being integrated into the squad at the moment as part of their rehab. So very early days. Jace, initial reaction for you on this? Well, it, you know, first thing is getting back fit, and then then we'll see we'll see how uh, how influential they can be over the the next few months. It's always good to have 
as squad as as fit as possible and as many numbers to pick from. So, you know, let's hopefully we'll we'll see them back to normal. Although I have my doubts about uh, I have my doubts about a certain left back. Mm, I think he's dividing opinion at the moment. I mean, coming over to you, Charles. We've seen Lamella during his reign at Spurs polarize opinion. Danny Rose, obviously those summer comments. How are you sitting in terms of um, Danny Rose being back in a Tottenham shirt potentially? I think at this stage of the season, it's it's all, all hands on deck, really, isn't it? Um, there's no there's no transfers for a few months, so just got to make the best of it. And um, you know, there's huge uncertainty over both of them. I think with Rose, it's like almost a psychological thing. Is he is he ready to commit back to the team, even if only for a short period? Yeah, I think Spurs are in quite a good quite a good position with him in a way with the World Cup coming up. Um, you know, because he was just he'll just be desperate to play so he gets on that plane. So I think Spurs can use that. Um whether Pochettino will ever forgive him, that's another question. That'll probably decide if he has a future at Spurs. But for the time being, I think it's great news that he's back. Yeah, we've got a massive month to come coming over to you, Jace, in terms of the fixtures coming around and some big ones as well. Going along with Charles there, Jace, could it play into our hands, do you think, potentially? Well, in terms of the of, of him needing to get himself ready for a World Cup, yeah, absolutely. But I, I think you know, what what we, if if we get Danny Rose that that we had ten months ago back, it's it's an absolute um, joy to have him back. But as I say, my fear is we we'll, we won't get that that Danny Rose back. We might get him physically back, but I'm not so sure we'll ever get him mentally back the, to the commitment levels that he was there. And and therefore, you know, it will be a problem going forward. But you know, fingers crossed. That, uh, that we do see that Danny Rose back. Yeah. We're going to throw your questions in throughout the night, guys. So let's go straight to you, Charles. We've got a question here from Bourne is the King of White Hart Lane, at Bourne is the King of White Hart Lane, who says, will Danny Rose win the fans round again, Charles? What do you think about that? Can he win them back? Yes, he can. Um, ultimately, football fans, we've got short memories. We live in the present. And if we see a guy given everything or what we think is everything, then we get on side with them and, um, you know, prepared to let bygones be, up, be bygones. But will he have a way back into our affections? Uh, that uh, To me, that depends on Pochettino, whether he will ever be given the chance um, to really, really sort of re-establish his reputation. Um, Poch has been, has been really ruthless, hasn't he, over the last few years? There's, there's a bit of Fergie about him, isn't there? Like the way that once a player's out, he's out. Mm. And there's very, you know, there was the same with Walker. There was Bentaleb. There was Adebayor. Like, yep. uh, there was uh, Aaron Lennon as well. Like once these guys are gone, they're gone. And um, you sort of think that uh, with Rose, you know, he can't unsay what he said. And it wasn't particularly flattering. It wasn't in keeping with the Pochettino ethos of the team comes first. So um, I'm not sure he'll necessarily get the chance. But as I said, you know, short-term expediency, maybe maybe there is a way back from him in the short term. But I don't know. I think uh, I think the ex-person, Danny Rose, may have uh, may have uh, broke, blotted his copybook permanently, yeah. sadly. We'll have to wait and see. Like I say, um, we've said there, a lot of games to come in October, massive games for the club. And I think, like you rightly said at the start, Charles, it is very much all hands on deck. The more players, the better. The more options for us in these big upcoming games. We have to talk about the international break. I think there's been some cracking stats broken over that from our players. Jan Vertonghen, Jay's coming to you first. One of the many unsung heroes of this Spurs team we've seen in recent years. He's become the most capped player in Belgium's history. He's been fantastic so far this season, Jace. A fantastic achievement, is it, for him? 
it's, it's an excellent achievement. And um, considering he's played 97 games and broke the record, I'm I'm astonished all he got for it was a Sports Direct shirt in a frame. You'd have thought <laughs> you'd have thought they could have spent a few extra quid on on, on giving him a proper, you know, silver silver salver or something like that, or, or something a little bit more of a memento than just a, a Sports Direct printed shirt. But um, no, he's been. Um, He's been, I think, really since Toby came into the club, we've seen the old Ian back, haven't we? And and he's such a reliable person for us. He's always that that calming influence on the ball. He knows he knows to do the the, the sneaky foul when he needs to do it. But um, it, it's been really good to have him back to the the Anvertongan of that very first season. And he's fully obviously deserved ninety seven caps. Is a is a special number for him to to go through that record and three more. Hopefully, he can do that at the World Cup next year. Yeah, hopefully he can. Coming over to you, Charles. He's been a player that, throughout the years, he's been so emotionally sensitive at times. We've seen it during the Sherwood reign. But, I mean, under Poch, he really has knuckled down, hasn't he? And he's been brilliant alongside Alderweireld. I think, um, probably of all the players, his reputation suffered the most under Sherwood. Like, he's not someone who... He's, you know, he seems a bit prickly, almost, like, in his character. Like, mm. he doesn't really hide his emotions, particularly. And, personally, I find that quite endearing. But, like... When it was going badly, he, he he sort of let it show. He didn't he didn't just sort of go all silent like um, Christian Eriksen, for example, or Hugo. He sort of he let it show, and uh, I think it took him probably took him a year or so to sort of um, start playing with a smile again, really. And um, but he stuck at it, and I think um, obviously once Toby came in, it, it made all the difference to him. Um, but more than when Toby came in, it was when um, Pochettino switched to three at the back last season that Jan just went up another level. Like he fits that that um, left-sided centre-back role. Like, I don't think there's anyone better in the world at the, you know, the left-sided of a three centre-back position because he's so good on the ball. He's so good going forward. And is, you know, he's a very aggressive person in his defending. And, um, yeah, I just think um, we're probably seeing the, probably the best, certainly of, of my lifetime as a Spurs fan, sort of going back to sort of you know, 1990. I think we're... We're probably seeing the best centre back pairing or centre back trio now that I've ever seen, and uh, I think we should we should save a yarn even more than than maybe we already do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like you said there, Charles, take the words out of my mouth. It is for me as well the best centre back pairing I've seen at Tottenham. I mean, it's very telling coming over to you, Jace, that Toby Adavir already gave an interview to Dutch media during this week where he said one of the main reasons keeping him at Tottenham is that he would find it so hard to find another defender the way he's got that relationship with Vertonghen. And it's almost telepathic. Um, I have to just ask you, Jace, very quickly, during that interview you did give this week, he also did make a point of saying that the club are yet to offer him an improved contract. There seems to be a number of clubs potentially sniffing around him. He mentioned about seven or eight, according to his agent. Is that still a worry for you, Jace, this Alderweireld contract situation, which seems to be lingering on now? It doesn't seem to be resolved either way at the moment. It, well, the, the later it, it gets left, the more of a concern it becomes. Um, and maybe Toby's the first one that's really pushing to, for us to break that that uh, wage wage barrier. I think between now and and I think the next international breaks what about November the tenth, twelfth, something like that. I think you know from Pochettino's comments, we may uh, when the transfer window shut. It wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple of new deals come out over the next next few weeks, and, and fingers crossed, one of those will be for him. But um, 
you know, I think his one will will set the new benchmark for the for the wage scale for Tottenham. So it'll be interesting to do it. And until then, it is yes, without a doubt, it's a concern. Yeah, Charles, you got alongside that concern for you? Uh, I agree, absolutely. Um, like it, it's a bit of a concern, but now it's like we're into like this window now for getting a couple of contracts done. So um, I'd say like I wouldn't be too worried about where we are right now. But if by January we've he's still not signed a new deal, then then maybe we maybe there there is there is a there is a problem. Like I'm sure if they've not offered him one. Yet they will do in the next couple of months. That must be such so high up Tottenham's priority list getting Toby resigned. Yeah, you'd hope so. I'm going to throw you a question on this, Jay. This is from Anders at Anders THFC, who says, "Should Spurs accept Toby out of wage demands or sell him in the summer for a younger centre back?" He says, "For argument's sake, 120,000 per week." Well, I think I, I think I, I went back earlier and said. We, first of all, we don't know what those wage demands no, are, but if if it's if it's one hundred and twenty five thousand pounds a week, and it's a four year deal, then then that would be one thing. But you know, it, it, it's all right to say pay them pay them what they want, and should we give in to it? But until you know what those who, who's to say he's not asking for a six or seven year contract? No, of course, yeah. You know, and and does he want release clauses in there? Does he want a release clause that we're not if, if we're not a Champions League club next season that he can go in the summer for a set fee of thirty million to a Champions League club? And and maybe they're the types of things that are holding the deal up rather than the the basic wage structure. We just don't know. Um, if, if somebody said to me, "Is Toby worth 125 grand a week?" On the surface of it, in today's modern contract world, absolutely he is. But of course, what we do know with Tottenham that as soon as you go pay Toby 125, then you have to pay Kane 150, then you have to pay Ali 130, then you have to bring Eric Dyer up, then you have to bring, you know, you're bringing seven or eight players up, and it's it's whether Tottenham can afford to do that for eight players all in one go. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough decision, isn't it? I mean, he's what he's playing that for us. He's absolutely pivotal to this team. I mean, the you know, I mean, I mean, I mean, we see Toby, for instance. We were just talking about Toby and Yan. So, could you have Toby on 125 and Yan on 80? Mm, yeah. And then, then if Yan goes up, then you know what does that do to, like I say, to every position? What does Hugo do then as the captain of the club? So that that's the problem. If if you just take a one off. Is Toby worth 125 grand a week? Absolutely, he is. But it's not as simple as one person being rewarded on a contract like that. Yeah, I think potentially, Jase. I think we spoke about this before, and Charles here as well. We might be pretty reaching a, a crossroads as such, where we might have to. It's, it's beyond doubt review the wage structure because I'm going to bring it on to another guy that this week again has been hitting all the headlines. Harry Kane. Delighted like to say it's all for the right reasons. He has been nominated for the Ballon d'Or. Um, shortlisted for that. He's only one of five Premier League players to be shortlisted for that. Again, was the shining light for England in, again, two mediocre performances. Charles, just getting your initial reaction to that. With regards to Kane being nominated for this prestigious award, is this maybe potential proof that he doesn't necessarily have to look to go elsewhere to be up for these nominations? <laughs> yeah, I just think... Um, it. it... Like whenever, whenever like the, the the greatness of Harry Kane gets talked about outside of like pure Spurs podcasts, like it becomes by default, you know, the final question is, can Spurs keep him? And mm. I find it incredibly boring because yeah, because like it's a question without an answer, and it's kind of patronising towards Spurs. 
and it doesn't take into account the incredible progress that has been made by the club in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, as you say, the fact that he's on the Ballon d'Or list shows that he is being recognised amongst the best in the world. You know, and he's currently playing for a team that's third in the league, is has qualified for the Champions League for the last two seasons, was FA Cup semi-finalist last year. Like Spurs are so close to taking that final step that really, you know, there's there's not very many steps up. Certainly going to another English club is not a step up at this point. It's a lateral move. And um so yeah, I think um I think it's uh it's a it's a feather in his cap. It's a feather in Tottenham's cap. Um but you know he's only nominated, what is it, fifty people on the short list. It's not a very short list, <laughs> is it? And um and uh you know I look forward to him actually winning it in a couple of years when when he wins the Champions League for Spurs. Oh from your mouth, uh, Charles, to God's ears, I think that would be that would be superb. Jay's going to come over to you just on Harry Kane, the international break. Uh, it's seven goals in six games and twelve overall for England. Jay, if he stays injury free, can he go on to break Rooney's record? I could definitely go on to break that if he stays injury free, um, without a doubt. I, I, I don't doubt that at all. So um, I think in terms of the Ballon d'Or thing, it, it's great for him to be on it. But let's be honest, at the moment. It doesn't matter who's on the list. It's only ever going to be one or two winners, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, they've won it, what, eight eight or nine years in a row between them. One's, one's won the Champions League by scoring two in the final, and the other one got a hat-trick just when his country needed him most last night, when they looked on the verge of being knocked out. So, you know, all the time those two players are around. I mean, we've seen, you know, it makes you laugh, doesn't it? Because people say, oh, he needs to move to a bigger club. But apparently Neymar's had to leave one of the clubs that <laughs> Kane should move to to have a chance of winning the Ballon d'Or. So, and I'm not so sure Harry Kane is the type of person that sees, you know, my ambitions to win the Ballon d'Or. I think there's, there's a lot more trophies that he wants to win. And then by winning those other trophies, that then gives you a route to go and win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. I mean, just to put some more context behind that nomination, 33 games, 38 goals, six hat-tricks. In terms of international duty, he's the first man to score in each of his first four internationals as captain of his country. And obviously, he's still waiting to find out if he's going to be the captain of England full-time. I mean, I'd be astonished if he isn't. Charles, he's one of the only very few players for me and doesn't seem to go hiding in England shirt. He seems to be able to take his club form into an international form. Should he be England's captain full-time, in your opinion, Charles? <laughs> Definitely. I think the choice is between him and Jordan Henderson. So if, it's, if, it, if, they, if Southgate chooses Jordan Henderson, just shoot me now, will you? Well, Actually, to be first. honest, the, the, yeah. guy, the guy that, that isn't in, never gets mentioned uh, for England captain, but who I think is every, every inch the leader that, that Harry Kane is and is just as crucial to the shape of the team um, and is an absolute shoo-in and has proven himself to be incredibly durable and is very likely to be on the plane to Russia, uh, is Eric Dyer. And um, I think it's a shame that no one's talking about him as a potential England captain. I think he's got absolutely every attribute that that uh, we could possibly want in an England captain. And if that allowed Harry Kane to maybe focus a bit more on Spurs rather than have all the bullshit that comes with being England captain, mm. I'd be pretty happy with that. Well, tell us what you think about this one then, Charles, about Eric Dyer. So I had a question from Joe Murphy O'Connor who says... Everyone fit. Does Eric Dyer get into the first team of Tottenham? A versatile, important player, but not a starter with everyone. But he fits for him. Would you go along with that for you, Charles? Would you have him in the Tottenham first team? Uh, definitely. I'm a bit of a I'm I'm a bit of an Eric Dyer fanboy. It must be admitted. But um, <laughs> um, I prefer him to over Wanyama, oh, which do? is a controver- which is a controversial statement, and that's just an opinion. It's just mm. me. It's not. I don't think it's. 
universally held by any means. Um, but I just think um, I just think Dyer, like he's he's an inc- like he's a very subtle player, mm. and I think he's like a you know um, force multiplier. Like he does tiny little things that enable everyone else to be really great. Like Wanyama is a much more sort of dynamic and exciting defensive midfielder. But that's because a lot of what he does is actually further forward up the pitch. Um, and actually, I think for Spurs to be at their sort of fluent, flowing best, where the fullbacks, uh, where, sorry, the, um, you know, Toby and Yan are like charging forward, the uh, wingbacks are playing as advanced as wingers, and everyone else is on the front foot. You need that one guy in there who's like the glue holding it all together. And I think Dyer does that better than Wanyama. Yeah. I think he does it better than any defensive midfielder in the league at the moment. Um, and um, I just think, you know, we talked about maybe Jan being a bit underrated. I think the guy who's most underrated in Spurs, most underrated in England, apart from actually, interestingly, Jose Mourinho, it's um, it's Eric Dyer. Yeah, I mean, I've got to go along with you, Charles. In the summer when he was linked to Man United, there was a few out there that said, actually, you know what, I'd let him go, and I was a bit, I was stunned by that. I mean, both for me, he's versatile, can play a number of positions. He clearly gets on with Delhi very well as well. You want to keep that kind of partnership going there. Jace, I know we had that debate last season about Wanyama and Dyer. I don't want to start it up again as a whole, but important player, isn't he, Jason, this squad, Eric Dyer? I think he's had an excellent start to the season, Eric Dyer. Certainly since the September break, you know, through that month, I thought he was excellent in um, in those three games against West Ham, Applewell and, um, and Huddersfield. I think it the difference between them there's some subtle differences between them. I, I think when you're certainly at home and you're playing against teams that maybe want to sit deep and that, I see the the value in having Eric Dyer in the side more than Wanyama. I think, you know, when teams want to counter-attack on you, and all right, teams that park the bus against us are all looking to counter-attack on us, but we know that teams like Chelsea or Manchester City or Man United can do it with a with a hell of a lot more pace and quality than than the likes of Huddersfield or, or Stoke or whatever will be able to. And I think it's those games against those top six sides, top six or seven sides, particularly the away games and things like that, where I think Wanyama then then almost comes in as the as the better one of the two. But I think, you know, when Wanyama's better than Dyer, it's a fraction better than Dyer. And when Dyer's better than Wanyama, again, it's it's a fraction. You know, and I, I don't ever... Th- if we play anyone in the league, I don't really mind which one of those two plays. I think it's impossible to... I'd, I'd hate to be in Pochettino's shoes where you, you can only choose one of the two. But I think, you know, going to Real Madrid, for instance, I, and I was forced into picking one... I maybe would go with Wanyama rather than Eric Dyer, but as I say, I, I don't mind if Eric Dyer plays in Madrid over Wanyama. Yeah, it's a lovely dilemma to have, isn't it? You've got to say that, it really is. Um, just coming back over to the Harry Kane chat, again, we have to say, now nominated for September's Player of the Month, uh, again, an eight of England's last nine goals, all scored or assisted by Tottenham Hotspur players. Jace, I want to throw a question at you. This is by Poltak. RMS at Poltec RMS, who says, how influential are Spurs' players becoming for England? And why is it that why the country isn't as enthusiastic about the national team? Now, again, I know you're not a massive patriot of England. Can you share anything for, on us on this subject? I, I think maybe the fact that they are associated with one club does come into it because I must admit, I, you know, I, I stopped becoming a, an England fan when it was, was full of Chelsea and, and Arsenal <laughs> players. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd find it hard. I'd think, you know, this is a bloke that I 
scream abuse at for 40, 44 weeks of the, of the year. And then suddenly I come to a tournament and I'm supposed to be saying, come on, Ashley Cole, come on, John Terry. And it, it just wasn't inside me to be able to do that. So I think this maybe that's one of the reasons. But I think in fairness, there's so many people that go and watch England that don't follow the Premier League. So I, I don't think it matters if you're a Stockport supporter or a Grimsby supporter or or as uh, one of our regular listeners is a, is a Shrewsbury supporter and things like that. I don't think it really matters that they play for Tottenham or anyone in that case. I think part of the the, 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 the public just being fed up with England is just years and years of continued failure despite who's picked in the team, how good, uh, you know, we've had world-class players in theory like Gerrard and, and people in the team done nothing. We've had different managers, we've played different tactics and really, you know, it's probably since that, that Euro 96, it just gets progressively worse. And then it's, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it, when you're playing qualifiers against teams like Lithuania and, and Malta. I mean, let's be fair, you know, how many Spurs fans went to watch Spurs against Barnsley the other night? Yeah. You know, who was really up for that game? So, you know, the, the bit of the apathy comes from the whole qualifying process of teams that you're playing against. We all know that England will qualify usually quite comfortably. And it's it's just the, the knock-on effect of everything. But it, it was a sad sight, wasn't it, let's be fair, for, for any football fans to see a paper plane being cheered more than an England, you know, any England player. And I think that, that sums up the, 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 the state of English supporters at the moment. Yeah, well, let's come over to you, Charles. We've got another question in this week. This is from Zoe Pearson. Another crack of a question. Thank you, Zoe. She says, as proud as we are as fans to see the amount of Spurs players called up for the for their countries, now that England have qualified, would you say most of our lads have done enough to warrant a place on the plane for the World Cup? Surely now it's about different players' experimentation so our Spurs boys won't be so heavily relied upon. Good question, Charles. What's your thoughts on that one? I think if you look like two years ago to... Um... The, the the team that qualified um, for the World Cup, well, I'm sorry, the Euros in France, um, and then what actually trotted out in France, like it was really different. Like there was a huge amount of turnover. Like Kane hadn't really come into the team, Ali hadn't really come in, Dyer hadn't really come in. Um, so a lot can happen between now and then. I think um, I think lots of Spurs players being in the England team is just something that we're going to have to live with. It's just the price of Pochettino being an incredibly good manager who backs the young talent. Um, is that, you know, if you're good enough for Pochettino, you're good enough for England, certainly. So I think, um, I think, I think we're just going to have to live with it really. Like Harry Kane's going to be up front for England for the next 10 years. And, um, Deli Ali's going to be in midfield for the next 10 years. And probably Eric Dyer's going to be in behind him for 10 years. And that's just, that's just, just the way it's going to be. So I think we should just accept it. Yeah. And and try and try to be proud. Like I'm 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 proud to see so many Spurs players. Probably the, one of the proudest I felt actually as a Spurs fan was when um, the sight of um, Ryan Mason coming on for England and and when we played uh, Juventus. Like it was just so unexpected that you know someone like Ryan Mason would actually make it into the England team. And uh, that photo of him, Andros. Um, Carl Walker and Danny Rose at that time all celebrating Townsend's goal in Italy was a real like that was a real highlight for me and uh, I think international football can can still make us proud even if um, we sometimes England make it really hard for us yeah well one guy from one Harry to another that's making us really proud at the moment Jace is Harry Winks now I think every Spurs fan you Jace included you said if he carries on the way he was playing you know he won't be far away from an England call up he then got called up the week after 
And Jace, to be fair, his performance, I thought he was positive, he was clever, always looking to play the forward pass, and no surprise really to us Spurs fans, that is how good he was. Well, I only actually, I mean, in fairness, I only saw the second half of the of the game on Sunday and then brief highlights of the first half. And he looked England's best player, for sure. But, you know, if I take, if I take the Spurs hat off and put an England hat on, I'd still look at that and think, yes, he was he was the best player, but much much like Musa Sissoko this year, was he partly the best player because just of, of the standard he's, he was compared to against? I mean, mm. did he really do anything? Let's let's be honest. And 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 you're right. I mean, I said I can see Walker going, and I think he uh, Walker uh, Winks going, and I think he does deserve his place. But did he do anything in that game that really? got you off your chair and thought wow what a, what a brilliant bit of football and so you know doing the simple things and passing it forward is, is surely what midfield players should be doing and, and the fact that so many England players can't do it it makes makes Wink stand out but you know for me I, I think it's, again it's, it's partly the problem with England isn't it I know I'm going back but I mean Glenn Hoddle had played 150 games for Tottenham before he got an England cap mm. and Harry Winks has started five now, that's not Harry Winks' fault. He's definitely amongst the best players and deserves his place in the squad. But I think that, that shows you the, just the difference of, of how we, how England has become. And, and it, it's sad for him. So he was man of the match, but he was man of the match because it wasn't so much for me that he had a brilliant game. It was just that he had a decent game in amongst some really poor performances. Charles, come over to you. I mean, for me, he seems to be one of those very few England players that wants to actually find a white shirt and also wants to pass forward. I think that's the most refreshing thing to see, that he didn't hide, he got on with it, and, you know, got to give the guys credit. You know, he stood up where you know many may have doubted his quality, his ability. He looked decent amongst, I think, what Jay said is there, you know, two very average top sides on, on the basis of it. Yeah, I thought, he, I thought he did really well. I think, yeah, like, as Jay said, it was, you know, it was, it was slim pickings out there. It was, uh, it was a really average performance in a really average team. We've got a really average manager, and um, I just don't think there's any like, there's no identity to to this team. Like, there's no style of football. And I was actually listening to, I was listening to the commentary, and there was Hoddle on, and uh, he's normally the most sort of um, sensible thing about watching England, and. Uh, and and he was saying that he thought the sort of style of football that England were playing was all wrong. Like, you know, instead of trying to do some sort of, you know, crap version of tiki-taka, like possession, like some sort of weak Pochettino-style press, but without the intensity, like, England should just go back to sort of like focusing on their strengths, which is having, you know, guys who can carry the ball, like a lot of power and a lot of pace. And um, it kind of made sense. And if you, if, like, I was like, I thought, in recent years, some of the best football England have played was the qualifiers under Roy Hodgson. And it was when actually Andros Townsend was in the team. Yeah, that was the World Cup qualifiers when Andros Townsend was in the team. And all he did was he picked up the ball and he ran with it and he shot. And that might sound like the most stupid comment, but at international level, it was really effective. And I think we we just try and complicate it by trying to be some some team that we're not. And I think... Um, so whether Harry Winks is the solution or whether actually he's just another sort of um, guy who's going to make us sort of play slightly prettier but equally ineffective football, I think only time will tell. Certainly I'm not very confident about Russia. I ain't going. I think I can tell by your tone of your voice there, Charles. Um, I mean, my, my, <laughs> feeling with, my feeling with England is, you know, as, as much as Winks would be welcoming there, what England need is Christian Eriksen 
or yeah, you know, a, a genuine yeah, number ten. You know, yeah. Winks will pick it off the back foot and he'll move it forward quickly. But then that bit of flair and creativity is then that, that, in the line player, in front. Just, that player doesn't even come close to existing in England at the moment, no, does it? Like, no. There's not even anyone coming through who's who's like even showing any signs of being like that. So you kind of think, well, maybe we should try and play in a way that fits the players that we do have, but maybe that's a bit too sensible and <laughs> not not appropriate for some FA PowerPoint presentation. I felt a little bit for Southgate on um, on the Thursday game when he got he got criticised for Sterling playing as a number 10. And you think, in fairness, Ali wasn't available, Lalana wasn't available. What do you do, play Sterling as a number 10? If you don't play him, who do you play the Ox? You know, the, Harry yeah, Winks is number he, 10, he, isn't he? He tried playing the Ox and... Uh, Exactly, and you're just stuck with who the hell do you play there as a number 10. Rashford's not a number 10, you know, and, and we're suddenly at the stage where we're missing Adam Lallana as an England team, and you think, well... That's, you know, that's never a good place to Adam be, Adam Lallana. Is it? no, it's, exactly. like, it's like missing Simi Sissoko, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think my biggest fear, lads, I said it before with these England players, that my concern with the Tottenham lads especially is they go away to England, and I kind of worry that they may forget the Pochettino traits, what he's, you know instilled in them I kind of fear sometimes they may come back so disillusioned because like you said there Charles the, the ponderous style of football just the, the playing itself they come back to Tottenham and we really are about the high the energetic the pressing game you do fear that you don't want them to kind of be you know talked out of that, that when they're in England but hopefully with Poch you know they'll keep to the same methodology that's been working so well at Tottenham you mentioned Ericsson there Jace very quickly and I have to stick with him because he has virtually carried Denmark through to these World Cup qualifiers. His involvement, it's nine goals in his last five games, six of them in his last seven. I mean, I've got to be honest with you, Jace, when this Ballon d'Or came out, the nominations, we saw Coutinho on there. Now, again, I don't want to kind of start nitpicking, but 17 goals, nine assists. Ericsson, most key passes, most assists, creating more charts than any player in Europe's top five leagues since the start of 2016-2017. How's this bloke, Jace, not got a look in? Well, you're right. I think he's he's had just as influential a year as uh, as Philip Coutinho's had. That's for sure. Um, and and he's probably has single handedly almost dragged Denmark to the to the level where they've they've got to, and they're they're in the playoffs, aren't they, Denmark? So fingers crossed, it would be good to see him go out there next summer. But the the fear is if he goes out there next summer and does well, then then the the vultures start circling for him, don't mm. they? So. Um, but that, that, that's just the nature of of being successful at international level. But no, his his form for the for the twelve months has been excellent. He's he's fantastic for us. He's doing the business for his country. Should he be on that list? Like I say, I, I don't worry too much about who is on the list because there's only two blokes going to win it. So, you know, the list almost becomes irrelevant to me. Yeah. Let's then let's take a couple more questions. Let's go to you, uh, Charles. We've got some questions on Harry Winks. This is from Cam Quebec, who says, how high is the ceiling for Harry Winks? Does he make the World Cup squad next summer? What do you think, Charles? Yeah, I reckon he's on the plane. Because um, I just, I think, um, I think he's a bit of like, I'm trying to think of an analogy. Like he's a, he's like a sort of an album that you've got to listen to a couple of times to really get Harry Winks. And uh and I think um, as Southgate watches him more, like he'll start to see his qualities there. Again, it's a bit like Eric Dyer; it's quite subtle. Like it's all about, it's all about tempo. It's not about um, you know Ericsson style, like really clever passes. It's all more about like how he sort of sets sets the tone of play. And uh, I think he's the only one in England who can do anything remotely like what he does. 
Um, so I think he'll be on the plane. I think uh, he's got, if he can stay fit, I think the sky's the limit. I think the whole the whole point of what Spurs have been trying to do over the last five years is is start bringing through guys like Kane and Winks who can be at the club for their whole careers and um, and have a, you know, be a sort of, you know, a, a local club with, you know, local players in it. And uh, yeah, I think, um, I think, yeah, if, if he's, you know, if he's not a regular for Spurs, in if he if, if he goes the way of Jack Wilshere, I'll be really surprised. I'll be one really the, really surprised. I think I think he's uh, I think he'll be a um, yeah a star player for years to come. Okay, Jace, very quickly, just on Harry Winks in England, what's the chances, Jace, of him being a, a regular in that eleven? That's from Janiad Ilias. Is it very hard to tell at this stage, Jace? I've only seen the one game of him for England so far, obviously. Too hard to tell. I think it, the choice is, does he get on the plane? It, it really comes down to him or Wilshire. If Wilshire's fit by then and playing regularly, you know, does does that get me into the mix? If if not, then, and I'd still pick probably Winks over the top. But getting into the 11, I would think that when England get to a World Cup, that the fear in one of those two depart, you know, the two positions in front of that back four will then be when we're playing the better sides, is there'll be a lot more focus on what they can do defensively and I think you know for Winks at the moment we, we all see the, the the talent that he's got and the abilities that he's got but I think at that very highest level and we might see it in the Champions League there's still a tendency to switch off and let people run in behind him which is partly experience and all those things and I think Southgate's view will be I don't think Jordan Henderson will let somebody run in behind him so he'll pick Jordan Henderson that to me would be the wrong way to go but I think that's the way that England will go. So I think Winks will get on the plane, but I'm not so sure he'll start many games. OK, fair enough. Thank you for that, Jase. Um, Harry Kane and Harry Winks, incidentally, both after the game, hail Pochettino as the best coach in the world and help them, well, say help them, he thanked them for helping them break into that England fold. And just to kind of put, again, some stats behind Pochettino's England involvement, he's provided more England players for Tottenham Hotspur, well, providing more England players for Tottenham Hotspur, helped massively by himself. He's coached half of the England squad. 11 of them won their first England cap whilst he was in charge. And Winks was the 15th player, a product of Pochettino. And he is going to be also nominated for this September Manager of the Month. So Pochettino at the moment can do no wrong. He is magic, as we already know. And that leads us on nicely, lads, to talk about the season so far. So, Jace. We're September, well, we're October now. If I said to you, we'd be third in the Premier League, six points out of six in the Champions League, into next round of the League Cup. Would you have bitten my hand off of that, Jace? I think I would have done. Um, our home form's been a, obviously a, a concern, and we need to sort that out against Bournemouth. But other than that, I think the four away wins and the six points in the Champions League would suggest it's been a, a strong enough start to the season. Um, we probably wouldn't have expected to have picked up 12 away points. We probably might have thought might be eight, might be 10 points. So um, the points we've lost at home have been kind of picked up away from home instead. But um, I, I think we've looked where I expected us to be. I think we are one of the, the, the best four sides in the country and, and therefore we've shown that right from the start of the season. Yeah, can't really disagree with that. Charles, come over to you. If we can just address this Wembley form, the home form, incidentally, could that potentially, Charles, get us into a title race? What do you think? Yeah, if if we can, I, I don't see what's stopping us really. Like we really should be able to start winning at home. And uh, I just think um, there's, there's there's like there's like two battles at the top of the league at the moment. I think there's the two Manchester clubs, and then there's a battle for the Champions League spots between Chelsea, Arsenal, and probably Liverpool if they sort themselves out. 
And I think the question for Spurs that will, or the you know, what we're going to find out over the next month, and it's a, I think this is the most probably the most important month of the season. Mm. We're going to find out are Spurs battling with Manchester clubs, or are they battling for fourth for, for um, Champions League spots? And I think you know, having won four four in a row in the league away from home. I think that's huge. I think that's more important relatively than the sort of slightly disappointing home form because I think the home form is much more correctable. So yeah, I think um, I think we're where we where we'd want to be now. And um, yeah, a, a win a win against Bournemouth on Saturday would set so many things right. Okay, well let's ask you then, Charles Z Man one two one five says, okay, real talk. October November are going to be brutal. You have to predict right now. So let's get you on the spot here, Charles. How do you see it going then? Do you see us in the battle for that title or do you see it as though a battle for the Champions League spots? I think um, I've got a lot of faith in Pochettino. And I think um, I think what's made this probably the most intriguing part of this season so far is that we are where we are. We've quite a few problems. Like We've had injury problems with Lamella out, with uh, Rose out, with... Um, you know, Dembele hasn't been fully fit. Wanyama. Um, Wanyama's been out. Yeah, Wink, yeah Winks missed the first month. Yeah. And, you know, certain key players haven't really been in form. Like, uh, uh, Deli Ali's form has been poor. I don't think Toby's form has been fantastic. Mm. Um, so we are where we are with a lot of scope for improvement. Whereas, you know, like Man City, if they keep up what they've been doing, I'll be very surprised and very impressed. Um, so, yeah, I think um, sky's the limit. And I think you'll see us... Um, really get stronger in the next couple of months. Yeah. Jace, it's hard to kind of put, you know, a very much a grade on it at the moment because we are so early in. You have to remember we are, you know, within the first 10 games of the season, done well in the cup so far. How would you grade it, Jace, if I asked you at the moment out of 10? I'm not sure if I asked you this last week. Well, I think I think we're probably 7.5 out of 10 okay. overall. Overall, probably a 6 out of 10 at home or, or maybe worse, but a, a, an 8, 9 out of 10 at and away from home, and therefore average that off, it's probably seven and a half. But uh, as you say, I think we'll find out a lot more at the end of next month. I think, you know, let's pick up that Wembley win against Bournemouth, take that confidence then, hopefully we get through the Madrid game, you know, in a good state of mind, whichever the result is, and and then we we need to beat one of those big boys early on. You know, we've, we've had one big boy so far, we lost that to Chelsea, and therefore, that Liverpool game is a, is a really important one. And, if, and we know what Liverpool's record against the, the top sides is as well. And they're probably one of the, the challenges for us for a top four spot, but they won't win the league. So I think if we can win that Liverpool game, that will, will give us a huge amount of momentum. And then we, we really can then, I think, be a, put ourselves in a title race for the time being anyway. Yeah, I have to ask you, Jace. We did see some rumours this morning coming to the Real Madrid games about Harry Kane. Apparently, they're offering us. This is oh, you got to laugh about it. Luka Modric, Karim Benzema, um, in a possible exchange for Harry Kane, which it did make me chuckle at the time. But I think the question here, Jace, really is: How many rumours are we going to see between now and that game starting about Harry Kane to to Real Madrid? It's just typical, isn't it? The build up for this. Well, it's a traditional way. I think you'll see it right away until the, the second game. And in fairness, I think you'll see it through to January. And then from January, you'll see it right the way through the World Cup. And in, and it will be until, what will be, September, you know, August the 31st of the next transfer window. I think we'll see it every single week until then. But, um, so what you're saying, Jason, you know, they're not, they're not going to stop anytime soon? No, it's it just, and you get the drip feed of marker and and that'll be all summer. Oh, Tottenham should release him and you'll get that almost the begging please and it'll just 
continue on. I think we just have to accept it's going to be a, a painful, painful next what ten months ahead until the the, the, the next summer's transfer window shuts. Mm. But it's flattering in a way, Jace. You know, I know we lost Gareth Bale to Madrid, and obviously Modric eventually w- went there as well. But it is a sign of just how good he's become, and it, there's no reason, Jace, why he can't. We've said it before. Hopefully, fulfil all his ambitions in a Spurs shirt. You'd like to think. No, you're right. I mean, it's, it's no surprise that they would want him and they should want him. Let's be fair, every club around at the moment should want a player like that. Mm. So it doesn't surprise me, but I, I'm still convinced he'll be at Tottenham next season anyway. So, But as I say, it'll just drag on and on and on and on and on, all, all right the way through till then. Yeah, Charles, coming over to you, are you as assured as Jace that he'll be a Tottenham player for many years to come? What do you think? Oh, definitely. Um, the if, if I gave you a number, two six six. What does that mean to you? Two six six. Two six six. What does that mean to you, Jace? What does it mean to you? Is that Jimmy Greaves' goals? That's it. And if I if I ask Harry Kane that same question, what does two six six mean to you? He would come back quick as a flash. You think that's Jimmy Greaves' goals? Really? You think that? You think that? Charles, yeah. He honestly wants that record. He, he wants that record. I'm convinced of it. And. Um, I did some, uh, I did some like, uh, just, I got my calculator out a few months ago and tried to work out like how long it will take Harry Kane if he kept up his sort of goal scoring rate mm. to, to reach, uh, Jimmy Greaves. And obviously it's, you know, it's, it's hypothetical. It's very rough. Of course, but yeah. I, ca- I came up with, um, oh, what was it? I think it was four and a half years, four and a half seasons. If he scores at the current rate, um, he could break Jimmy Greaves' record. And, that was him breaking two six six goals, but before the age of thirty, basically, wow. was the key takeaway. Incredible. And so, if you think, mm-hmm. you know, if he can keep banging him over the five years, you know, he'll reach the age of thirty, and he'll be like the biggest legend the club has probably ever had. And um, probably, if he scores that many goals, by default, he would have, you know, scored goals in Champions League finals, in crucial Premier League games, in FA Cup finals. Because ultimately, yeah. that's all it's about. It's just about scoring goals. And, you know, yeah, he may be... There, there was an interview, um, David Pleat was on uh, BBC like a year or so ago. And he was talking he was sort of talking about Harry Kane and what he thought the future would be for Kane. Because it was at the time when there was a lot of rumours about Man United wanting to bid. I think it was like 50 million or something quaint mm. for him. And uh, Pleat was like, um, oh, Harry Kane won't ever go to another English club. The only, the only scenario is, you know, he sort of wins the Champions League for Tottenham and, you know, at the age of 30, he maybe thinks, right, I need to go and broaden my horizons a bit and go off and play for Barcelona for a couple of years. And Pleat's always worth listening to on Spurs. And I thought that made a lot of sense. So for the next five years, I'm quite excited to see him bang in 30 goals a season. OK, we'll hold you to that, Charles, then, yeah? <laughs> yeah, just like just like just like my Carl Walker prediction. Oh, last don't, time. A pod no, review. Yeah. We, we won't repeat that, Charles. Don't <laughs> worry. We won't repeat that. But no, fingers crossed. Like I say Kane's going to be here for many, many more years to come. Uh, Jay's going to throw you a question now. Um, this is from Mark Eady at Mark James Eady, who says, "Who is your surprise performer of the season so far?" He says, "For me, it's easily Ben Davis. Although it appears Sanchez seems to be second close to him." Would you go alongside that, Jace? Good question. That one. Um, for me personally, I think the surprise will have been Sanchez because, oh, okay. as I say, I I had, but um, Ben Davis has has been excellent. But I actually thought Ben Davis would be fine. You know, he's, he's I could see at the end of last year he, he was uh, he was creating chances. He scores scored that goal in he at Hull 
on the last day. And, and you know, I, I thought Ben Davis looked the part towards over the last six or seven weeks of last season. So yeah. what Ben Davis has done this year has been excellent, but I haven't been in the least bit surprised by what I've seen from Ben Davis this year. I think Sanchez, when we signed him, was was a concern to me. As I said, I, I think so many of the YouTube clips I'd seen, I wasn't as impressed by everyone else was. Um, so I think he's... His integration into the side and his, uh, the way that he's played, has, has, to me, has probably been the biggest surprise, personally. But I understand it if everyone else would say Ben Davis. Mm. Charles, come over to you. Bit disappointing, isn't it, that Ben Davis isn't going to get a chance at a World Cup? I mean, he's been brilliant for Tottenham. Really unlucky. Yeah, a bit unlucky, but I don't really care about Wales, to be honest. <laughs> there you go. Honest as ever, Charles. Um, again, we've had a couple of questions in, lads. I know it's ridiculous. Only, the window feels like it's only just shut a couple of weeks ago, but already the rumours are coming. The Ross Bartley rumours are coming. Charles, are you still on the train of Ross Bartley? Or are you kind of firmly off it now? What's your thoughts on Ross Bartley? I, I was I was never really on the Ross Bartley train, to be honest. I don't think he's I don't think he's that good a footballer, and I don't think um, he's that much better than maybe Josh Onoma will be. So I'm I'm not hugely enthusiastic. That all said, mm. um, us Spurs fans, we are conditioned after all these years of Daniel Levy to enjoy a good bargain when we see one, and. Uh, if we can get Ross Barkley for fifteen million and him turning down Chelsea in the process, I could uh, I could probably get on board with that just about. Yeah. Well, well, I think what what he does what he does have that we don't have much of in the squad at the moment is is he's a really good uh, set piece taker and he's a really good long range shooter and uh, we maybe lack a little bit of that in the squad. So I can see yeah maybe maybe it's not totally unarguable, but uh, you know. Yeah. If we get him, we get him. If we don't, we don't. Yeah, Jace, what's your thoughts on it? Because, I mean, if we are still fighting on all four fronts, we are going into squad to obviously keep up with this. And, you know, we've seen this this season already. We've had a couple of injuries. If we can get him cut price, Jace, are you all chips in for this one? Well, I'm, I'm obviously, I, I'm definitely a, a Ross Barkley fan. Mm. I, I understand the um, the reservations lots of people have in his game, but I just think he's the type of player that that Pochettino will, will get hold of and he'll he'll smooth off all the, the, the rough edges in his game. Um, my only fear with, with Ross Barkley coming in January is that, you know, when you're down to six months, the amount of money we'll offer may well only be, you know, 10 million quid or something. And it's it's whether Everton are prepared to say, or oh, let's take 10 million or just say, you know, to hell with it. Let, you know, almost let the bloke rot until the summer anyway and bugger his England dreams up that way because at the end of the day they must be pretty bitter that he didn't take the move for 30 million to Chelsea so you know there's, there's, there's a, a, bit there's of a danger that Cooman that, that might get fired before January well, anyway. that, so, that's uh, the other new, thing new, new comes in and wants yeah, that's, to stay exactly that's the other thing and yep. the, a new manager comes in and thinks okay Ross we, we accept you're going to leave at the end of the summer probably on a free but we'll use you for the next six months rather than Davy Klassen or something like that so I'm not I'm not I, I, I wouldn't stick my hand on my heart and say it will definitely happen, but I would like it to happen. Mm. I mean, Everton, though, Jason, they seem to have quite a few number 10, don't they? The Bartleys, Rooney, Sigurdsson. There's so many players in there. I just, you've got to think, where, where will he get a game when he's fit? Well, as you say, under Koeman, you probably wouldn't do. No. But if they did bring a new manager in, Different a new manager may yeah. well think, mm. I don't like Klassen, I don't like... Rooney, and I'd sooner work with Ross Barkley because he's a bit quicker, he's got a bit more pace about him than, than Gilfie Sigerson has. So, um, or they may well 
you know, use him as a make weight to try and bring a, a proper striker in and, and say to him, right, well, you can go out on loan for six months until next summer. So I think, you know, the, the problem will be getting Everton to agree a deal in, Janu- in January because, you know, for the amount of money that's on offer to them, they might think, you know, really, what, what is 10 million these days in football? No, it's peanuts, isn't it, when you think about 10 million now? It's just... Uh... It is crazy. Well, tell you what, let's talk about Bournemouth then. Let's talk about Saturday's game. Now, coming over to you, Charles. They've not had the greatest starts to the season, to say the least. They're 19th in the league. Four points from opening seven games. They've lost five already. But we have got the Defoe factor potentially coming back to, well, face us. What's your thoughts on the game itself, Charles? Well, if we can't beat Bournemouth at home, we're, 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 we're in real trouble, aren't we? But uh, they look, um, they've looked really, really poor, haven't they, this season? Mm. They they just if you look at like all the players that they've bought in the last couple of seasons, they have wasted so much money. It is extraordinary, and they still seem to be playing with the same group of players that got promoted a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, they look a bit of a mess to be honest. And uh, you know, hopefully they don't uh, do what Swansea did, which is um, somehow summon some sort of def- defensive cohesion and desire to stick a thumb in our eye and. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully they, they look like the same crap Bournemouth that have been, appeared in most games this season. Are you confident, though, Charles, we can break them down? Because I, th- I remember going into the Swansea game, oh, going into Swansea, and because we had that great result against Dortmund, there was such an optimum confidence that we were going to get the result and we didn't deliver. You know, have we we've, got to we've... start taking these teams really seriously now and just not turning up like we did against Swansea? Male, a bit more of an arrogant attitude to think we're going to get the three points here. We've got to play, haven't we? Yeah, we... There's just like there's no excuse for not mm. winning this game. Like we no. we smashed them. What was the score last season when we played them? I think it's four 0 at the lane, wasn't it? I think four. Yeah, and yeah. and we put five past them the season before. Yeah, like we should be we should be taking this team apart. Um, so uh, I think um, it's not even a case of coming on and saying, "Oh, I'll just settle for a win, any win, get the curse out." No, I'm, I want a good win on Saturday. Yeah, I want to really like set a marker for the month that's ahead. Yeah, and you feel like we need a big win there, don't we, Charles? In terms of getting this. Wembley thing we talk about this hoodoo or whatever but we do need to get a big result there just to kind of set us up at this oh, at home I'd say for the season yeah. a, a big a big like you know 4-0 win or something like that would just end the nonsense for once and for all and yeah. would really set Spurs up beautifully for the bigger challenges that lie ahead yeah I mean a massive month in store Jace coming over to you can you see us doing this on Saturday because I think me and you at the time when we discussed that Swansea game we were so full of optimism that we were going to go in and cane them and it never actually happened, pardon the pun. What, what do you think, Jace, on Saturday? Can we get this result? Well, I think that the one thing I'd say about Bournemouth on, on Saturday is since they've come into the Premier League, they, they haven't tended to be a side that goes away and, and tries to park the bus, have they? They've, they've, they've usually played most of their games. They've played with yep. Defoe and, and uh, what's his name, Josh King up front. Mm. Um, and they haven't, they haven't really shown any any intention to go anywhere and, and try and keep a game tight or anything like that. So, you know, I don't think they'll come with, with quite the negative mindset that uh, that Swansea did. Um, and hopefully, you know, as, as, as Chris said, we've, we've scored, what, a, a five, a four and a three against them. And, and the other game was a nil-nil really scrappy game. So I think from that point of view, we, we should be able to, to have chances. And as long as our players all come back in a positive state of mind I think again it, it, the attitude's right then I think we'll create the chances it's just a question of, of making sure we take them because Begovic is a decent goalkeeper let's be fair about it so I'd be surprised if you put five or six past Begovic but we should certainly have enough about us to win with a, with a little bit to spare 
Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, coming over back round to you, Charles, just on the game itself, tactics-wise, formation, selection, um, do you see many changes to that Tottenham starting lineup for you? I wouldn't have thought so. Um, like, what's what's he really... I guess maybe, maybe he'll have he'll have half an eye on on um, Madrid on, Madrid on mm. Tuesday, but I don't know. I think he'll. I imagine he'll just play who he played against Huddersfield, won't he? Yeah, you think why, so? Why, why, why would he change it? I don't think there's any real reason yeah. to. So yeah, I think same same as Huddersfield. I would have thought. Yeah, I think the question at the moment, Jace, coming around to you, is there is that kind of big dilemma that going into Madrid, you don't want to pick up many injuries. Is there a temptation, Jace, at all to not put out our most strongest team against Bournemouth? Or do you think, no, we have to win this? You know, Premier League is our bread and butter at the end of the day. Well, it's our bread and butter and we haven't won at home yet. No, so we have to win it. And let's be fair, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about Madrid next week. But they're oh, the type yeah. of side that you, you can you can go out there with your absolute strongest team and get, get a bloody nose out there, can't you? So to my mind, if you was going to risk leaving one or two players out, I'd sooner be in a game that's going to be almost incredibly difficult to win anyway, rather than one that we should be winning. So I think it's important we get that win against Bournemouth to take into that Liverpool game. Uh, and, and for all those reasons, no, I'd, I'd pick the strongest side. I think the only dilemma is such is, is whether it's uh, Trippier or Aurier at, at right back on, on Saturday. Because I'm right in saying just very quickly, he is back, isn't he now? The, the ban has been served with regards to Aurier, so he, he would be back for Saturday. So again, it's yep. going to be that decision again when it comes to Madrid. Which one do you favour? I mean, you would assume, just bearing in mind the quickness and the pace they play at Madrid, surely you have to play Aurea against Madrid. No offence to Trippier, who's been brilliant this season, I have to say. You would think so, but then can you have somebody rash diving in well, in Madrid? So it's um, it's the toss-up between the two, is it? I mean, I, I personally would go for... Aurier in Madrid, but um, <laughs> you know the, the success or anything in Madrid is at the end of the day is not going to be down to our right back. So you know, I, I think Trippier will play Saturday against um, Bournemouth, and I think you know, as I say, I think we'll have a little bit of space down the size of them anyway, and and it, it really shouldn't matter too much. No, coming over to you, Charles, very quickly on that. I mean, no one needs reminding. The last time we visited Madrid, a certain Mr. Peter Crouch lost his head. Uh, what's your thoughts on Aurea very quickly, early days? Have you got any concern if we did start him in Madrid? Can he handle that big occasion? So, yeah, I've got no worries about Aurea. I mean, he's looked a bit a bit sort of over-enthusiastic almost in his first few games. Um, he's, he looks fun. Like, he's a fun player to watch with all these like, crazy turns and stuff like that. And he's flicks and tricks. Like He's a lot more fun than I thought he, he would be. Um, and I think he just needs a few games, really, just to sort of settle down. And uh, I think we'll probably see him, you know, Probably by Christmas, he'll. I imagine he will have been uh, very much the, established as the first choice right back. Um, but uh, maybe for the time being, Trippier gets the nod in the Bernabeu. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I like yeah. Aurea. I do. I mean, I like him as well. But I have to say, Trippier's attitude, it's just been phenomenal. And hopefully, Danny Rose will take note of that attitude from Trippier because he's been absolutely brilliant all season. Let's get some predictions then for the Bournemouth game. Let's come, let's stick with you in, Charles. Let's get your prediction for Saturday. Uh, 3-0 Spurs 3-0 God we like that Jace for you I'll go the same I think 3-0 3-0 OK let's make it a full house I'll also go 3-0 and Jace very quick let's fit this in you went and saw the ladies play didn't you last week so tell us what that was like I did it was, it was a toss up between watching the ladies side or, or England in that Lithuania game oh, no so brainer no brainer I, I, it, <laughs> good it choice wasn't, that, wasn't too <laughs> difficult to choose and um no, it was a very enjoyable day. I, I, Mike Lee was over there from the Spurs show. I think he, he, like me, was going to see the ladies for the first time. So it was good to catch up with Mike as well. But no, I was 
pleasantly surprised. First half was was a much better standard than I thought and, and Tottenham took a, a 2-1 lead in at half-time. Second half got really scrappy and, and a little bit of fitness and tiredness issues came in, in fairness to both sides. But no, I was pleasantly surprised and hopefully we'll be doing a, a big feature with, with Karen Hills, the, the ladies' manager, over the next few weeks. So we, we'll, take, we'll cover the women's side a little bit more in, in better detail in a few weeks' time. Yeah, so guys, look out for that. We are most certainly going to try and get some more involvement with the ladies. I think this show itself, we are here to try and do the first team, the academy, uh, the reserves, and of course the ladies. So we want to try and get as much as involvement as we can with the club. So fingers crossed we can get that tied down. Just very quickly, Charles, come around to you. I, I absolutely loved your content when I first read it. Can you just give the guys out there who want to still find you, how can they find you, Charles? You've obviously broken away now, you're doing your own thing. How can everyone find your content? I am on Twitter at CharlesRich82 and I'm on Medium at Charles Richards. Um, so give me a look up. I write a lot about the stadium and about the financial side of the club. So a bit nerdy, but if that's your thing, give me a follow. Yeah, he's great on the financials. Charles, very quickly, I have to get your thoughts on the stadium. We saw some cracking pictures this week in terms of the progress. Are you pretty shocked how quick it seems to be going? Because I tell you what, Looking like job looks like it could be done. Very, I don't want to kind of speak too soon, but it's, it's getting there, isn't it? It's speak. getting there. Like <laughs> you look, you look at it. Some days you're like, oh my god, how are they going to finish? Yeah, and then yeah, other yeah. days you look, you're like, oh my god, it's it's really come along. And yeah. whenever you like, if you go on the website, the club website, you can go on like the photo, the galleries, and you can like switch switch the sliders across and see what it was like sort of six months ago, and you'll just see like it's just come on leaps and bounds. And uh, from what everything that I'm hearing, like it's about as on time as they could hope. So, fingers crossed, it's only one season at Wembley. Fingers crossed. I don't think we could do two, Charles. It might kill us. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. Please, no. No, please hope we're back there very soon. Charles, honestly, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight to make your debut. It's been such a pleasure having you. Cheers, thank you. No worries. We'll definitely get you back on soon. And, Jace, thank you as always. No problem, mate. Look Lovely. forward to three points Saturday. Yes, and we are going to be back, guys, discussing the Bournemouth game, building up to Madrid in a huge week for Tottenham. And as always, guys, come on, you Spurs! Podcast Network.